to Who Are You Wearing, a podcast about clothes and style with me, Kiri Pritchard-McLean, and whichever stylish soul I can convince to chat to me for an hour or so. This week, it is the founder and owner of Converted Closet, Kate Maguire. This is an episode that is a bit longer than normal, but you're going to see why. We couldn't cut stuff out. There was just too much gold. Kate has a passion for clothes and our conversion in particular that is pretty much unrivaled and such an infectious joy that comes with it. Um, so conversion, as I mentioned, is her passion. That's taking an item and making something totally unique and new out of it. Sometimes it's damaged items, sometimes it's just stuff that isn't worn anymore. And Kate is so, so passionate about clothes. And one of my favourite traits in her is that she wants everyone else to have this much joy and fun from and with their clothes. Although one of my favourite moments is where she, through the medium of this podcast, tells her sister off. Listen out for that. Now, I first met Kate a few years ago on another podcast. I think it was a pilot and I was a guest on it and I turned up with clothes I loved but had no idea what to do with. I handed Kate a pile of my favourite tattiest, saddest, sequin butterfly tops, all from the 70s and 80s. Now she thought for a minute, disappeared for two weeks and came back with the most amazing cake that's vintage. Um, it's sustainable and it always gets compliments. I'll whack a picture of it on the um, Instagram because it's incredible that she saw it from that pile of very sad sequins. She was like, okay, I know what to do. And she got the cape off eBay for like a couple of quid and then she took it to her seamstress and they worked together on it. And she really ignited something in me that was like, well, <laughs> I'd say she ignited something in me. She is now to blame for the massive pile of damaged sequins that sit in a corner of my room waiting for me to have a good idea about what they should do next. Also, she absolutely inspired the Shop Don't Swap event that we held locally here in North Wales where I live and record the podcast. Um, that's basically where people came along with their um, old glad rags and we gave them some tokens in return and then they came back the next day with their tokens and everyone just went home with new clothes and it was a way of not introducing any more stuff into the world but kind of a way of shopping and knowing that your items are going somewhere they're going to be really loved i'm not sure if i've talked about it on here or not oh if you want to know more about it just give me a shout and i'll do it into live explaining a bit more because i think people wanted to set them up close to them as well now there's lots of chat about struggling with body image which i think is going to resonate with so many of us and heads up there's also talk about disordered eating um this podcast was recorded in April 2021 and Kate was at home in New York. So bougie, love it. And I was in my cupboard in Wales. <laughs> I hope this episode gets your brain racing and fizzing like it did with me. We even found out what I want to be buried in. Kate was the first person to ask me back. So please prepare to be inspired as I ask the founder of Converted Closet, Kate McGuire, who are you wearing? I think that my dad was a really big influence on me. He was, and it's only now that I realize it, he was very creative and he used to really enjoy the clothes that my mum wore. And actually, my mum looked to my dad to, you know, get her inspiration. He'd be like, oh, try that. You know, she was she was a little bit shyer than him and he'd always encourage her to go bold. And I just enjoyed watching that play out in front of me. I think really, I was trying to think when when I started getting really obsessed with clothes, and I think it was like, I had a Cindy doll. I don't even know if Cindy still exists, but it was a bit like Barbie, but Cindy was cooler. She had better hair than Barbie, sorry. <laughs> and I used to hoard 
Cindy clothes. Like there was nothing more exciting for me than dressing Cindy up in a new outfit. Or I had a doll and I remember my sister and I having a massive fight one Christmas because our aunt had given us both a baby grow for our doll and one of us had got yellow and one of us had got white and we both wanted the yellow one and we had this <laughs> massive falling out over this, you know, and that that's kind of, they are the most poignant memories I have of my childhood. So I think it was, it started with the dolls and just it just grew from there. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the time when it transitioned onto my body, but clearly it did <laughs> at some point. Cause I liked, I like to think of myself as like a Cindy, you know, I'm sort of dressing myself up now as if I am a Cindy, aren't I really? It's God. lovely though. What a lovely, cause that's, yeah. And when I look at you and, and the stuff that you do on Instagram, there is such a sense of fun and your love of fashion and especially repurposing and converting is so infectious and but it, I guess there's a childlikeness there's an element of play to it which is why I wanted to talk to you especially because so much around fashion is quite po-faced and some of the fun gets sucked out of it but you are someone who still seems to it's playing dress up it's it's experimenting it's you know when you first start making clothes you cut up something and you make something mm. for your barbie it's like it's an obviously elevated version of that so you are just a really yes <laughs> that's, i'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's you know i i remember you know i was just like gonna show how old i am but we had used to have this comic called bunty and on the back of bunty this is like a long time ago they'd have like bunty and then every week Bunty's new outfit and you'd have to cut out like with scissors Bunty's outfit and then fold the flaps back on every week <laughs> I'm cutting Bunty out you know it's just like what was I thinking <laughs> and I, I I think it's like I'm most in alignment when I'm recreating clothes I don't I really don't know what it is I think it's it's for more the conversion upcycling it's the magic of seeing something as it is but seeing beyond it like every time I look at clothes I look at what's behind them or, or I look through them like I see what else could I do with that if I'm walking down the street and I'm looking in shop windows I'm not seeing the clothes in there I'm seeing what I would do with them do I like them mm, kind of like that I would do that it's that conversation all the time and it's those, those strange little pieces of dialogue you have with yourself a lot that nobody is privy to that you know maybe shape your thinking because I practice it all the time probably subconsciously a lot of the time but it's just incredible fun for me it's amazing I, do, I don't know why I think your brain is wired differently in that way it's, it reminds me of you know how interior designers can walk into a room and go this should be there this that color and they've just got this vision but I, I think mm. you're like that with clothes and sometimes clothes that you know I've got holes in and a a, a, you know, a falling apart and a, a certain age and, you know, and you're able to look at it and, and not see any of that as problems is in, quite incredible. Yeah, I still find it odd that people do find those things problems because for me, they're, they're part of the provenance. Like, they're part of the story and a piece of clothing that has a story is way more interesting than a piece of clothing that has come out of some factory or out of some design house, brand new, fresh in plastic, on a hanger. And oh, look, there are like a whole load of them and anyone can have this thing and you can choose it. That's just like so, I'm just so over that. It just doesn't interest me at all because it, I guess it just doesn't, I don't like it because it doesn't really reflect 
who I am. I I just don't want to wear something that's that doesn't really have a life or or a value in my eyes. I would rather have something that's been loved and cherished because everything secondhand was bought because someone loved it once. And and I love all those. Like I just bought the other day from the Manhattan Vintage Show a they call it show here instead of fair. Go figure that. So it's this <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary burgundy velvet. Oh God, I don't even—I don't know how to describe. It, but it's like a coat, but it's a very awkward length, and it's—it's it's got marks on it, and the velvet's been rubbed in the wrong way. And but it's got these magnificent shoulders that you just—you couldn't make up. Like I just couldn't design those, and that's the fun of conversion. I don't have to design them; they're already there. I can just build the outfit around it. So. I looked at that piece and I just thought, okay, there's a little mark there and a little mark there. And I'm always, I want everything to be high end. Like I want it, I don't want it to look shabby. I'm not into eco chic. I want it to look really high end. But it's, it's about incorporating the elements that aren't, you know, perfect and, and having them become part of the story and sort of celebrating them. If, you, if you're trying to hide them, it's game over because when you put it on, you're going to feel like, ooh, you know, when you've got like a mark on something and you, all you can focus on is the mark. Mm-hmm. No one else can see it. With if you, if you bring it out into the light and you're like, oh, you can see this has got a story and, oh, where's it been? And, yeah, there's a little mark here. It's fine. It's just about being authentic. And if you're comfortable with that, then, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. And I think what's really interesting now is that values are changing so much post-pandemic that people are getting more comfortable with it. You know, we know this, this, these secondhand luxury resale platforms are set to grow exponentially compared to the new fashion market over the next five years. And part of that is, I think, because people are getting a lot more comfortable with the idea of wearing a piece of clothing that somebody else wore before. So, you know, were you growing up, your your cutting your stuff out of Bunty and you're playing with your Cindy's and you're you're having fun with fashion in this way. What was your style like as a kid? Were you were you experimenting? Was it only on dressing up other other things like your mm. Bunty and your Cindy? Or were you using it on yourself at that age as well and going, yeah, I can put this I, together and do this? I don't know whether this came from me or whether it came from my mum. I'm going to blame my mum. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but I had really short hair as a kid. And it was probably me because I didn't have the patience to be able to grow it out. And I wanted to always have it cut into a new style. So I wanted that kind of instant gratification. (laughs) But the short hair, I felt like it hindered me slightly. I didn't really look the way I wanted to look. And so I I kind of, I think that I went, clothes became really, really important because it wasn't really about the hair. It, it, It was about the clothes. And... I, I never really looked the way I wanted to. I remember at school, I always looked at everybody else, what everyone else was wearing. And I went I went to a school and they had uniforms, but somehow my uniform never felt quite polished enough. And good for my mom, because I used to wear secondhand bits and pieces. And I'm really proud that she did that. But at the time I was a bit like, oh, you know, it feels a bit, my, my school skirt's a bit shiny. Everyone else's looks like. And then I remember we had assembly and we'd all sit in rows uh, in assembly and 
you sort of sit behind a row of other girls and they'd have their hair beautifully plaited, you know, with ribbons and and then their nails. I used to compare my nails to one and I always came off secondary. You know, I always thought that my hair looked really scruffy and my nails never grew and everyone else had tanned legs. That was the other thing. And I had white legs that never went brown. And I think there was there were quite a few years like that where I just didn't really like the way I looked or, you know, I, I, I certainly didn't ever feel polished at school. And I really think that that's connected to how I present myself now. I have, you know, really a quite annoying streak of perfectionism that I recognize almost can be problematic. I have to constantly tell myself the 80-20 rule. I literally say that to myself a lot every day, 80-20, 80-20, because I want it to be 100. And I just remind myself that being 20%, you know, is, is okay. <laughs> um, but I really, if I'm going out anywhere now, I mean, honestly, through lockdown, I was dressing up. I'm you know, my stepdaughters were just like, oh, my God, what's she, what's she coming down in now? <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's ha- it, it, it makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel put together, just mentally compass and that I'm being my best self. And if I, if I compromise on that, I don't really feel like I'm kind of in my day. And I don't know why that is, but maybe it's connected to the fact that I just always wanted to be one of those girls with the perfect plaits and the perfect bows. And I could never quite get there as a kid. I think that's so interesting because I think one of the amazing things about clothes and fashion and style more than fashion is that it's it's the most expressive art form that we all partake in because we all build ourselves in the image of what we want the world to see and what you're doing is someone you know you're building yourself in there's with you you're always so well turned out and there's this level of polish and perfection and you're going you're you're hiding that little girl who didn't have the right nails and and had the pale legs behind this very polished grown up who's got it all together that's exactly what's happening wow isn't that fascinating <laughs> Wow. I love it. So who used to, when you were growing up, you had a sister similar in age? Yeah, she's four years younger. And we were actually quite different physically. She's much taller than me and she's like a beanpole. And I used to dress her up. She was quite shy. I was the loud one and she was the quiet one. And she was basically my little doll. And <laughs> she she was she could wear clothes that I couldn't because of the her body shape and her height. And I, I actually felt quite envious of her, but I I loved dressing her up in clothes. In fact, I used to dress quite a lot of people up. I have a my my best friend now, what I grew up with her, grew up next door to her, and she tells this story of us being eleven and me going around and we had we lived next door to each other, we had a big hedge between our houses and we pop through the hedge to go on our play dates. And she was going off on a French exchange. And she remembers vividly. And I I remember around it. I don't remember exactly. I probably just blanked it from my memory. But apparently I dressed her up in red, white and blue, full on theming in a boiler suit and matching accessories and sent her off on her <laughs> French exchange with an entire suitcase full of red, white and blue. And she remembers it. Like she says she felt so cool. <laughs> we're, both, we're both slightly worried about but that was it's 
I, I must have been doing it. I must have always been doing it. Actually, I do remember doing, I remember my mum asking me to do her makeup when I was quite young, which looking back is quite odd, but I was quite good at, good at makeup. And um, yeah, I used to style my mum up. I do remember her taking direction from me a bit around accessories and things, but yeah. It's it's interesting that it is because it it seems like you because also I think you have you know what you do online and what you do with clothing and how you your enthusiasm and how you communicate that there's a real generosity there in that you're you, you're doing it because you're like I want you to be excited I want you to have this joy and there's this thing of like you're you're trying to make other people feel the joy that you feel it's not it's not about you it's about you facilitating and empowering other people and it feels like it's been that way since you were a kid right that's exactly it and I've been making films I really want to do more films and and more shows really because I want to educate through entertainment I completely believe that that's the way that we're going to really get the mindset shift that we need people don't want bad news they want good news and there's so much good news to focus on the more good news we put out there the more it's going to grow so let's make it fun because i was converting way before i even knew about this issue in the fashion industry and, and the need for sustainability i was doing it for fun, like pure on fun it's a hundred percent the thing that gets me the most excited oh look it happens to be a huge response and much needed response to the issue and solution one of the solutions so I feel like I'm the middleman and I feel like I've got this insight. Like I know that you can get the best fashion that you could dream of that's going to reflect your personality, take you to your natural edge, fit you perfectly, make you feel supremely confident and like your best self, like the most exciting experience you can have with clothes and you can get it from something already in existence. And I can show you how to do it. I kind of want to just join the dots. It, literally, I am the go-between person. And I think I think that's what I get most, I get most excited about other people, other people's experience and joy and the potential that I see they could have. Yeah, I really do see myself as that middle, the man in the middle. Who was your, when you were growing up as a kid or as a teenager, who was your man in the middle? Was it your dad because he had such a good eye? And who, who was dressing you? I know you were dressing your sister, but was it was it mum or dad? Or were you like, no, I've got this covered, I'm dressing yeah, myself? it was me because my mum is like an absolute diehard M&S fan. And oh my God, <laughs> if I ever, that's where we used to shop. I'd be like, oh my God, we used to have arguments about M&S I didn't want to go to M&S I remember for my 13th birthday <laughs> she drove me up to London we lived in Southampton uh, on the south coast and we do one of our marble arch shops marble arch normally meant marble arch Marks and Spencers and then home and on this particular day which was my 13th birthday there's a top shop next to Marks and Spencers or there was at the time and that top shop was next to Etam and my mum said it was a special treat that I could get my clothes. We used to come up and buy a load of clothes and that would see me through for, for you know, a long time. And I could go and get them from Topshop and Etam. And I just remember, I was so overwhelmed, I didn't know where to start. I just, 
I was just, you know, when you're like, you want something so much, you're almost like, I can't have it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I really wanted to do my own thing. And I negotiated with my parents quite young to have an allowance rather than them go out and buy me clothes, which didn't work out brilliantly in my favor because 10 quid a week doesn't get you very far. I found out quite quickly, which probably <laughs> led me to my conversion journey because I realized that I just had to get creative with the clothes I had because I just didn't have enough. So I started going into my dad's wardrobe and wearing his shirts and doing stuff with that. And I used to, he, my dad had a really wicked wardrobe. And um, I remember they said to me, my mum told me this story quite recently, actually, we were going to a disco when I was about 13 and mum and dad were dropping me off. And she said, they were looking around them and it was like obviously fashion at the time all the girls were wearing black pencil skirts and white shirts with the collars popped real 80s thing and she said <laughs> i got out of the car and they watched me walk in and i was wearing black and white stripy tights with a black and white check gingham puff ball and my dad's oversized emerald green cardigan i just looked mum was like you just looked completely different from everyone else. And they laughed, they laughed <laughs> together about it. And I was like, really? I didn't even realize that I didn't look like everybody else. So I, I really, I always knew what I wanted to wear. And I did not want to wear the M&S clothes that my mum wanted me to wear. Did she ever no. whack you in anything you absolutely hated then? Can you remember wearing a, a, an item and being like, this is not me? I wouldn't. No, I just wouldn't have worn it. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't have worn it. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't put myself into something that's not me no in fact I've, I've been a couple of occasions uh, you know over the course of of my career where I've, I've been asked to be dressed by stylists I'm literally having an allergic reaction at the thought of it like somebody else styling me oh I just it, I can't like even now I can feel the cringes on my body it's like no I've got to wear what I want to wear. <laughs> is that because, is that is Crazy. that two things meeting there? Is that your level of perfectionism and they won't know how to get it right? Or is it someone's taking the joy of you putting it together away? Or is no, it both things? It's someone else's idea about who I am. Like my clothes equal who I am. So I get to choose who I am not them if they're going to put me in a dress it's their idea of who i am and i'm just like no thanks I, I just couldn't have that plus don't you get days where you just you want to wear something and it's the thing to wear on that day but yesterday you'd never have dreamt of wearing it like yesterday you just were not in the mood but today i yeah that is what i that that's me today you know, what if a stylist came along and picked something out that was me last week? Just, it, it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just feels so wrong on every level. So, no, I couldn't do that. Do you? Do you get styled? How do you no, feel about that? No, I, I, I'm not av averse to the idea. But I think it's, you know that thing, have you ever had someone buy you a present? They're like, I saw this and I just had to get it for you. And you open it and you're like, Christ, what do you think I am? But you can't say that, obviously. And I worry it would be the same with style. Because also I grew up watching things like 
Trini and Susanna and Gokwan, who I absolutely love, but any woman who looked like me, they'd put in a wrap dress, and I literally can't think of anything worse than me in a wrap dress. So my deep fear is that they put me in a, you know, oh, let's put a belt on to accentuate your waist, and, and let's give you a deep V because you've got big boobs. And I'm like, no, put me in a leotard and a cape. That's what I want to wear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I've never used stylus. I'm not, I'm, like I say, I'm not averse to it, but um, I, I think they might, it feels like they might try and clip my wings a bit, I guess. But that's the same um, thing. Probably make me look better. But, no, I, yeah. no way. That's the same thing. Like, <laughs> what if it's their idea of you and then they force it on you? It just goes to show how personal clothes are. Like, are they an extra layer of our skin? You know, I, I think there's so much meaning in them. So as a kid... Did yeah, you have an curious. outfit or a teenager? Did you have an outfit or an item of clothing you put on and you were like, hello, this is me. I feel a million dollars in this. Yes, Kerry. And no one will be surprised that it involved jumpsuit. I mean, I I don't <laughs> know what that obsession is. Well, I've tried to dissect it because I'm a bit like that. I like to, I like to work out why, you know, what, what's the reason for this? I had this... Laura Ashley jumpsuit. It was like a play suit romper type thing, kind of empire line, high-waisted, sleeveless. It was bright green and it had splodges of pink and yellow on it and big Andy Pandy trousers, exactly like I make now, funnily enough. And I'd <laughs> wear it with these amazing matching green shoes that I got in a sale because no one else wanted them and they had like a big green patent rosette on the front it was just happened to be the same green <laughs> and i remember the dog chewed the rosette on one of my shoes i've never been so upset but i'd wear this <laughs> ensemble and think i was the business and i think the thing about <laughs> jumpsuits is that they're 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 sporty in my mind they're i don't I'm not really well. Maybe I am a bit of a girl. I'm, I'm, I'm everything. To be honest, I'm a girly girl sometimes. Sometimes I'm not. But I, I like, I like the the playfulness of trousers on women, and I, I really like. I just like a jumpsuit because for me, it's a cross between a skirt or a dress and a pair of trousers, and it just it's sort of. I like the idea of everything being all there. Like you're just going to wear one thing, and it says so much in that just just in that one piece of clothing you know it's not a dress it's a jumpsuit jumpsuits are a lot rarer for starters and then oh there's something quirky about that oh and that takes it into a even more unique place and then oh look she's layered it with that oh that's even more unique and then and somehow she's pulled it off you know and I guess that's that's what probably, how far can I take this before, <laughs> before it becomes completely wrong? There is a line, right? I mean, you know that line. You know when you've crossed it and you're like, nope, we're going to take that bit off. That was too far. I like going to that edge. How how far can I get before I feel out of my comfort zone? That is fun for it's, me. Yeah, there's such a sense of joy in talking to you about this. And I think it's so good. It's going to be so brilliant for people to hear because I know that clothing and fashion can be a really painful thing for people. Really, you know, especially if you are plus sized or, you know, just your body doesn't doesn't fit what the shops tell you a body should look like and that, i think that's even more of a problem these days um so yeah and, and conversion i guess is an antidote to that as well because mm. you can 
that whole thing of like there were so many things that I told myself I couldn't wear and then when I started getting clothes made for me or altered it just changed it like you can wear anything it just has to fit you right um I want to ask you growing up as a teenager in particular there was um everyone has trends as they're a teenager what were the big trends were there any that you indulged in and loved oh, I just want to actually just go back to that point that you were just making before I answer that because one of the reasons I think one of the big factors that drove me to convert was the fact that I had big body image issues. I think, you know, which teenager doesn't. But I I grew up in a family of stick insects and I wasn't a stick insect. And I, for whatever reason, you know, I just didn't like the way I looked really and at all. And I, I got quite clever giving myself confidence through what I was wearing because I think I developed this sort of this I don't know what it's like mastery of optical illusion whether you know what nobody else may have seen it that way but in my head I could put clothes on and draw attention to the areas I liked and hide the ones I didn't really cleverly you know it doesn't matter whether anyone else thought it was clever or not I thought this is working so when I looked in the mirror I looked the best version of myself and I I'd very carefully I remember I had this god look talk about Laura Ashley all the time I think I, that was probably because it was Southampton that was one of the only shops in Southampton <laughs> at the time but there was this Laura Ashley blazer and they'd done a collaboration I think it was with the Royal College of Fashion Royal College of Art or something but to some of the students and it was very very cleverly cut it was a designer cut in Laura Ashley and it had a special silver button and it was amazing fabric it was not like a Laura Ashley regular and I saved up for this particular blazer because the way it was cut was just genius and I could wear it it was like a size I think it was probably a size 14 and when I wore it I felt like it just I just felt like it narrowed me or not narrowed me but it made me feel like compact I think I have got a small head and I just wanted my body to feel streamlined and I lived in that blazer I reckon I wore it I mean I can't probably two-thirds of the year for five years when I remember throwing it away I had to throw it away it it there was nothing left <laughs> basically wore it out completely it was no fabric but um that that is a really big part of my story it's it's changing things to optimize the way that you see yourself and like and it's really easy I discovered a tiny tweak here, you know, just really the smallest things could have a really big impact in the way that I saw that thing on myself. And I keep going back to that because it's, who cares what anyone else, we can think, we, we can think what other people, we think other people think about us, but we'll never know. So ultimately it's all about us. Do we like the way we look in that? That's what we're trying to, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I feel comfortable with this now. Bingo, I can go. Yeah, and I remember actually just one oh God, this wedding, I had to go to this wedding and I didn't want to go. I was having a really bad time about my body image and my mum took me shopping and we found this black velvet dress and it had a very punchy tartan collar on it. I'm looking back and I think it was a summer wedding. I don't know what we were thinking. Anyway, it's like full black velvet, long sleeves. Anyway, I was like, this is my dress. <laughs> and I remember finding a hat and making an accessory to go on the hat. So the outfit was just, it was all about the collar and the hat, you know, 
all all the it was all going on at the top and I left the house feeling okay and I really didn't want to leave the house I, it was really I had some really hard times during that that period of my life and clothing just became everything you know it, it, it was whether I was gonna it was my armor it was my comfort it was my mood changer it was my meditation it was just how I related to the world you were either going to see me or you weren't you know it's just it's incredible and is that when you're a teenager as well Mm, yeah, I think late teens, late teens. So I was did a lot of drama when I was younger, and I was really good at it. I did extracurricular drama, and then when I was eighteen, I remember standing on the stage in one of the festivals or competitions that I did, and I'd normally just clean up at these things. And at that particular time, at that age, I just felt so self conscious. I remember standing on the stage, and instead of being engrossed in what I was reading. I was I had sort of had one eye on that and the other eye on the audience and I was imagining what they must think of me and I wasn't coming off very well and I just thought this is over I don't want to be doing this anymore this it wasn't fun anymore and that yeah that was like in my late teenage and, and my 20s were really peppered with that as well um it was yeah it was it was I didn't have the best time in my 20s funny isn't it I'm having a brilliant time now <laughs> I'm really making up for it but it was a really difficult period of my life actually and it, so did clothes mm. help that were they your your way of like I say building someone who found it easier to to cope with the what people you imagined was thinking about you or you could control what you imagined people were thinking about you I think it's the latter I think I could I used clothes quite a lot at that time I think to hide and then if I was having a good day, I could, you know, ramp it up. But that was actually, yeah, that was that was my Laura Ashley blazer phase. That really, that that thing was my shell. I mean, when I'm talking about it, I can actually feel myself having an emotional reaction, thinking about the gifts that that blazer gave me. You know, how many times I re I felt okay because I was wearing that blazer. I mean, thankfully. I've come a long way and, you know, it's not about the way we look. You know, that's just a symptom of what was going on inside. But at the time, I didn't know that. And so I was looking for, for things to help me. And my, the clothes were my friends. They they really did get me through those times. It's so, um, that's so interesting and touching. And I think so many people relate to that as well. And what you're saying about because we haven't had a big conversation like this before and, and I look at you and the, the amazing things that you create and put together and uh, what I see now, which is so beautiful, is someone who's not hiding. Like you are so, that you're on a stage and the spotlight's on you and you've just got this gift with these clothes and it's so nice that people can come through and get to a stage where the clothing isn't camouflage anymore. It's, it's, the, it's the carnival, it's the celebration of themselves which is what I see when I see you. You know what's interesting when you say that, because it's probably, that's one of the reasons, every time I get dressed, it's a celebration for me. And, you know, I I, I had a, I realized that I was actually had a, a food addiction and I had to just sign off flour and sugar for many, many years. Um, and to, to really to keep my mental health in check. That's just where it goes for me. And it's just pure joy for me I guess I feel like I can express myself in the way I want to and I will never get tired of it 
I will never. And, and actually what I, what I see happening now is that I'm getting more and more adventurous and I'm now creating couture collections because I feel that we're going to be opening our eyes up to a really exciting red carpet situation post-COVID. And a lot of people are going to be wanting really interesting, sustainable stuff to wear. And I think that mine will be super sustainable, you know, wasn't even made from anything new from the planet and, and really edgy. And I'm taking, I'm sort of just thinking everything through. Like, it's almost like there are no limits, you know, so the pieces that I convert always have interesting elements to them. I always look for those things or amazing fabric or hopefully a mixture of both. And then I just let the clothes talk to me and you, the creativity doesn't, I don't have to get, I mean, I, my creative creativity gets triggered by the person who designed the thing in the first place. And so it's like a, a co-creation of each garment, which invariably is more interesting really than one person. You've got two angles and I can see myself just the, the, like, I didn't think I had a ceiling before, but now I'm just like, no, I did. And, and I'm sure there'll be a ceiling above this, but it's just that how big and expressive can I get? And I look at people like Lady Gaga, who really just to my, in my mind, just blew the top off it. Like, I mean, who wears a meat dress? <laughs> I mean, that's just like, at the time it was just so like inconceivable. Like I just couldn't even get my head around what her message was. And now I can actually, it's just like, how far, how far can you take it? That's all, that's what Gaga's about, right? It's, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. No one is going to tell me not to be this person and I'm going to do what I want. And I, I just love that freedom. And I'm actually making a dress right now that I have her in mind for. She's my muse for this dress. It's just how completely insane can we get, you know? And that's exciting because, <laughs> you know, in this new world, stylists are going to be looking for this kind of thing and suddenly you know mm. social media we can have a platform we can reach these people and say hey i've got something over here and they're going to be more open to it because they want to wear something sustainable and there's not that much of it around now it's really exciting it is it is and you're right there at the front with your uh, your collection of cindy dolls and folding over the paper bits on, on your buddy, but it's lady gaga <laughs> it really is <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. When you're a teenager and you're feeling like you're at war with your body, it feels like that's sort of what you're you're talking mm -hmm. about and wanting to hide. Did you have a, a, a rebellious teen? phase then or were you too busy hiding did it did it manifest in your style this if you had a rebellion yeah my sister had had a rebellion and I didn't I think exactly that I think actually I probably my rebellion was unfortunately direct well not unfortunate because I just believe that that I'm so grateful for everything that happened to me and all those states of my growth because I'm so happy to be where I am now. And if I hadn't had those, who knew? And there was so much invaluable learning that came as a result of it. So I don't regret any of that. I think that, and there's no one to blame. You know, it's just, it, it was the way it is. And I think I 
probably at a lot of my frustration and um i it was it was internally directed i put it back on myself i didn't yeah i didn't feel that there was space around for me to kind of you know that they say don't they that people either turn it inwards or outwards and i was definitely a a turn it inwards person Mm. so i now have quite you know i have to come sometimes i have to physically pat myself on the shoulder like really i do you know to to remind myself like Mm. well done (laughs) yeah Because I'm quite hard yeah. on myself. That comes out in the perfectionism. Yeah, you are. You are. You hold yourself to these extraordinary standards, like really t- extraordinary. So what we see when we see you now, this joy and this carnival, this celebration uh, with all these ideas firing off and clothing being a source of joy, not a, not a camouflage. When did that start manifesting? Your style that we see now, when did that first appear on the scene? It started in my 30s when I got on top of the the food addiction and I started to realize that I wasn't going to change size and I was in a corporate job at the time in London in a bank and I remember being on the corporate finance floor massive open plan like huge huge floor I've never ever seen a floor like it since took quite a long time to walk from one end to the other and it was quite male dominated as well. And I remember my almost, you wish to sort of see yourself objectively. I could, if I look back now, I can see how I was, these little quirky elements were coming out even in that situation. So it was corporate. You had to, you had to look corporate, you know, that bank doesn't take, um, you know, prisoners when it comes to the way you present yourself. But it was before leopard print really came out actually really i remember getting hold of a pair of leopard print pumps with neon trimming and i'd be wearing them with a a black jigsaw suit and you know sort of do quite a dramatic lip and i'd scrape my hair back and i you know god knows who i thought i was i don't know whatever <laughs> i like the look of it and and no one i remember the stairs. I'd walk walk down the corporate finance floor, and literally, the men they wouldn't be looking at me; they'd be looking at my shoes. Like, who is this woman wearing <laughs> these shoes? Like, what's that saying? You know, what? They'd never seen anything like it, and that was fun to me. I really enjoyed that kind of attention, just a little bit. Nobody can tell me off because look, they're flat pumps, but oh look, they're what leopard print pony skin neon. <laughs> But, you know, just on the right side of it. That was really fun. So it's just pushing. And in my career, I've always taken fashion to the edge of what's acceptable within that corporate vibe. I guess where I've really started to expand is when I started to do Converted Closet. And I realized that actually, oh, look, my career is conversion. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, and it took a while to get free to the point where I've just described now I'm just like, okay, God, where can I go with this? This is brilliant. I'm allowed to be as creative as I can. This is excellent. But yeah, up to that point. But it, it my 30s, I think, Amazing. really. So you're talking about your strong lip and your hair scraped back. Do you, is hair and makeup, is that part of the outfit too? Oh, 100%. I was talking to my sister. We have a WhatsApp group, my sister and my BFF. We're, we're all very close. And they sent through a dress the other day. And Yuffie was like, mm, I don't know about that. And Emma was like, really? And and I said, Fee, you could totally pull this off. It just needs a strong lip. And 
as I said it, I was I didn't realise what I meant. But yeah, I mean, it, it completely changes the way you look in an outfit. I when I when I go into a shop or I see people trying stuff on, and they haven't got their makeup on and they haven't done their hair, you know, and like especially Fee, she's got full on clothing. We'll go into a shop and she'll put the thing on over her outfit that she's wearing and she's gonna <laughs> expect to to feel something about like how on earth can she possibly see what that's gonna look like but she thinks she can of course she never buys anything she's always like oh i can't find anything i like <laughs> well maybe fee if you didn't you know i think if there's a balance so i really i love makeup it's really important to me because it's strong and i never wear my hair down i have a pony and that's my signature i don't want my hair to ever interfere with my outfit it's about the clothes but i still have to have a strong face to balance the strong clothing so then it comes out in the makeup so i feel like it's like a bit of a science and it may sound strange I but that's kind of it's the same as well. It doesn't really vary. It's strong eyes. I have, I like a strong lip, sometimes not, depending on what I'm wearing. But the hair's always the same. It's just this this routine situation on the top. And then I can go crazy on the bottom. And I feel confident because this bit's set. Yeah. God, I didn't even know I was doing that until I'm talking <laughs> about it now. Yeah. It is. It's like a mix between, it's a blank canvas, but it's one that's man enough to take the weight of the outfit. Do you know what I mean? You can't just whack it on with nothing on because, uh, you know, it all has to tie together. And again, it's that level of polish as well, isn't it? Everything has been thought through. The, the, you know, the, the brows, the, the outfit, everything. Yeah. I love it. The brows, oh my God. I don't think I can see my brows in the same way that everyone else can. <laughs> I think they look totally normal. I don't think people think they look... I like a really big, strong brow. I've got really pale eyebrows and I have to tint them. And yeah, and I think it looks like... I think, you know how we see ourselves so differently to everyone else? I think they look like they're just completely natural. But I've had a few DMs of people going, hmm, you have a very interesting brow. Do you tattoo them? Do you dye them? Do you shape them? How do you do them? And I'm like, Really? Do they look that different? And I'm, my sister's like, Kate, you've got two big brown slugs on your face above your eyes. Yeah, they really stand out. I'm like, oh, never mind. I can't get rid of them now. Well, no, I think that that is not what I see, but that is exactly what a sister's verdict yeah, would exactly be on. Right. Oh, yeah. No, she's brutal. Um, this is an interesting one. I normally ask people what trend they've tried to pull off and it isn't happening. But the interesting thing about you is I think that what you do is... It's it's beyond it's it's sort of timeless. It sits above trends. I don't see you being like. I'm not saying you're out of fashion. You're like above it. It does that feel fair? But there's a difference between trend and style. And trend to me intimates that you are following something. And I haven't really. I'm not interested in following anything. I I. Why would I want to follow somebody else? It's a bit like brands. Why would I want someone else's name on my clothes? I've still got things. I've got, look, I'm sitting here right now with someone's name all over me. I think it's quite quite funny. <laughs> I'm not wearing it because I want people to see that I'm wearing. I actually really like the colors of what I'm wearing right now um, and the pattern. But style transcends trend. 
and trends can be hard to pull off because we're all completely different everybody's body shape i always think when you buy a piece of clothing and you buy whatever size you're buying a size 12 that size 12 was made from anybody who's five foot to six foot and any variation on a size 12 and you put it on your body you're in a changing room doesn't fit you what do you blame you blame the piece of clothing or do you blame yourself yeah what it's backwards so i think it's about yeah trend is fun because again it's that fresh thing right it's that new invention of yourself you want to oh i want to reinvent myself and this is fresh and new and it's kind of cool but it's finding the style within <laughs> within the trend so finding the elements of the trend that you like and taking them and applying it to your style so yeah it's a bit you know you can't fit a round peg into a square hole and trends are generally for you know one shape or another i just i also think honestly that that that's going a bit i think that this whole linear model of fashion is changing. I mean, it, I always find it extraordinary that all the designers you noticed have the same trend every season. You know, they. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Do they like all get together on a on a big call and right? You know, we're all doing wide trousers and high waist, right? And then because <laughs> they do, they all put out wide trousers and high waist at the same time. Everyone does their own version of it. Who decided that? And then. Why are they all doing it? Why can't one of them do low waist and skinny trousers? You know, I just, what what is that about? I, I do find that very, very interesting. That's a whole other conversation. But I think I, I, I encourage people to go for what they feel really good in. How, how, when they look in the mirror, what do they like most? Look in your wardrobe and look at the, the dresses Every time you put that dress on, you feel fantastic. What are the elements of it that you really, really like? And then can you apply those elements to something else? Can you find a dress somewhere else? Can you go and have a look on eBay or Etsy and find a dress, buy it in a size bigger, and then convert it into the, the elements of the dress you really like? And that's really easy. You can take that dress and the dress you bought down to your local dressmaker, who right now is desperate for your business, and get her to copy those elements, like just put those sleeves on, maybe adjust that length, put that V-neck, and you come out with a dress that's made to measure that you've had creative input into, and you've put time and energy, you will value that dress more than anything else in your wardrobe, and every time you wear it, someone will go, oh my God, you look great in that dress, because you'll be feeling really good in it, and you'll go, oh, this whole thing oh yeah no i just knocked this up with my local dressmaker you know just kind of had a bit of you know gonna feel really good about that and that's the experience and i think that we're moving into a new paradigm where that is going to become more and more common i really do which is exciting yeah i hope so well when you convert stuff um you must have some very old i've seen some of the pieces that you've got and they're they have some real age to them. What's the oldest thing? Well, there's sort of two questions. What's the oldest thing that you think you have? And what's the thing that you have had for the longest? Hmm, okay. The thing I think I've had, well, no, I think the thing I think is the oldest is actually with my dressmaker in London right now. And it's a dress that I think it was in the mid, so it's something like 1860, I think. And I bought it from Etsy 
actually, it arrived and it was pretty disintegrated. And I have the picture of the lady who wore it. It's unbelievable in, in you know sepia tint she's standing there in this dress i have this dress in my hand and it, it if i don't do something with it it will go to landfill i mean it's literally i'm saving it <laughs> it should be in landfill really just because there's, there's nothing really anybody can do with it but some parts of the fabric are in great condition not that many but some parts are and so i'm restoring it but i want to restore it into a dress that i can actually wear so i'm having to get a bit creative and borrow fabric from other things and reline it and reconstruct it because also the waists are like nonsensical i mean i don't know i, I just don't know any i don't know how those waists happened it, literally talking about like a wrist a hand so I have to have the whole thing made bigger to be able to make it wearable. But I just, I had this idea. I bought it in London and I knew I was moving to New York. I do do this. I fantasize about where I'm going to wear something. So I look at this dress on Etsy and I have this like fantasy come into my head. And it's like, yeah, I'll be like in New York going for some like lunch somewhere, really glamorous. And I'll walk in in this dress, you know, just this sort of, like, it never happens. I thought I do think, think these fantasies never happen, but I'm, I'm completely convinced they will. That's what drives me to create it in the first place. So, yeah, this is my my sort of token, token vintage dress that I will wear at some point. But how cool will that be? What kind of story? But you, I, I don't, want it, don't want it to be costume. There's a fine line. I'm not doing fancy dress here. And that's the point. And you've got to be careful as well because a lot of people that I've realized who are into vintage, a lot of the vintage community on Instagram are very identified with vintage clothes. And some people don't like me converting them, don't like them being touched really they really don't like it as i found and my argument is i'll never convert anything that hasn't got something you know really wrong with it i i converted this aussie clark jumpsuit on instagram it's blue it was a dress it's now a jumpsuit and i got lambasted for converting this thing by the aussie clark crowd who i am an aussie a part of the aussie clark crowd what what they didn't realize, and I did reference it in, in the post, was that when I bought it from the vintage fair, it had two big brown stains under the arms. So when you sweat, who knew, it actually burns the fabric and causes it to, to have a chemical change. The, the hue changes. So it's nothing you can wash out because the color, the fabrics actually change color. These two brown arms were going to prohibit anybody from wearing this dress, in my opinion. I'm sorry. No matter how big an Aussie Clark fan you are. Really? Oh, I'm just going to go up. I'm here. <laughs> put my arm up. Lovely look. So I took this piece and I thought, I, I, I always think if a dress could speak or the clothing could speak or I could dialogue with the original designer, what would they think? And I thought, what would Aussie say? I'm going to keep it according to Aussie style. I'm going to make the jumpsuit pants 
as if I think he would have done. So I'm going to take the gathering that's on the sleeves and I'm going to just translate it into the trousers. And we were really meticulous. We covered buttons in exactly the way that the buttons on the sleeves already were. And so it was really a kind of homage to Aussie. I really think if he was going to create an, a, a jumpsuit mm. now, this is the kind of thing he would have done. And I really believe I saved that piece and have given it fantastic new life, whether I wear it or someone else wears it. I was really happy with it. And I, I think the, a lot of the vintage crowd are trying you know, preserve all these Aussie, Aussie club pieces. And I really, really respect it. But there are pieces out there that no matter how beautiful they are, they are unwearable. And the, the museums, according to my friend who used to work at the VNA, all museums, not big ones, tiny museums, are stuffed to the brim with perfect examples of clothing. They can't, they, they, there's no room for new clothes. So there's this, this gap. There's, where, where do these clothes go that are old and a bit damaged, not quite right, nobody's going to wear them, they're too old-fashioned or you know, they're literally unwearable, but they're not good enough for, for the museum. And yet they're, they're, they're spectacular examples of things that could be converted into amazing new pieces. I'm really interested in those and I want to give those new life because if I give those new life, I'm preventing one thing from being bought and I'm preventing that thing from going into landfill. I've got a double sustainable win and I've produced something completely unique. So I will go and do that. And there are billions of these pieces mm -hmm. around, you know, like billions. So I, I will keep doing it. But you do have to be, you have to respect people. You have to respect that they are quite wedded to these pieces. And I'm not going to convert something that doesn't need conversion. Mm. I just wouldn't do it. That's, um, I hadn't even thought about some people who see themselves as, I guess, curators and protectors of stuff, not understanding what you were doing, would see it as a total sacrilege. But a, a, But sacrilege to me is a piece of beautiful clothing sat in a wardrobe that's never going to be worn and yet would just take, you know, a bit of a magic, well, I say a bit of a your eye, basically, and, you know, giving work to a dressmaker. And then suddenly it's going to be loved again. And isn't that what all designers want? They're close to be loved and worn. Quite right. That's right, I think. What you do is, is so interesting and from all different times and eras and styles and you know patterns prints trends everything um, i shouldn't say trends rather styles is there is there a, a time in history that stands out for you in just in terms of the clothes at least wow do you know it's yeah i mean i i think early dior and early balenciaga i find mesmerizing because they're so deeply modern and so timeless and classic but they're not classic in the you know boring sense of the world it's not because they haven't got tons of style i yeah. just don't to me they're kind of that's just genius that's just fashion design genius it transcends everything it it just makes a woman look beautiful but neat and but it's it's not not weak it's strong i really i just like the simplicity of, of the cuts and also the boldness, like some of that early Balenciaga stuff. It's just, it's the sort of stuff that nowadays would be considered ultra edgy. I can't even imagine how it must have been seen then. It was just, you know, and I, I sometimes I think I'd like to have stepped back into that era and actually watched it all happen. But honestly, 
I, I don't have a particular penchant for any time because every time has produced incredibly different fabrics. I love that. Is there an item of clothing that you can put on and you just instantly feel brilliant in? Yeah, and I think it's generally a dress, honestly. I I love I do like dresses. I like dresses and jumpsuits. Um but I have got I've got this dress in my wardrobe that I bought from a vintage dealer in London and it's got a big sort of bullseye pattern on the bottom. Um it's very plain, very thick knitted fabric, but it's just it's super cool. And I, I all I had to do was lift the skirt up from the waist and to just make it shorter it's quite a tricky thing to do actually because of the the bullseye on it actually had a motif but we managed to do it and I got it home and that was the only thing we changed about it and I looked at it in the mirror and I was so disappointed it's like oh no I had her make it too short this is not the kind of dress that we can lengthen and I it was weird because I, I I just don't know what I was thinking. I was like, God, I'm so pissed off with myself. This was such an amazing piece. I was there's my 80-20 rule, right? I'm like, 20 in, 20 in, Kate. Cool it down. And I thought, you know, there's <laughs> going to be a way out of this because there's always a way. Always, always. So I, I looked at it and I thought, mm, is it the sleeves? Starts playing around with the sleeves. And I realized that if I made the sleeve three-quarter length, it totally changed the dress. So, oh, that's like a really big game changer because the sleeve was quite long. For some reason, the length of the sleeve was impacting the length of the dress. Shorter sleeve, suddenly the length looked longer. The whole thing worked. And other thing, I thought, oh, it's got this round neck. It just feels a bit boring. The, the top doesn't feel like it's connecting to the bottom. Why is that? So I thought, well, if I'm going to chop off the sleeves, I'm going to have some fabric left over from the bottom of the sleeve, I can make a skinny scarf. Perfect, I can wear that around my neck. So I took it back to my beloved dressmaker, Michaela. She's like, oh God, not this thing back again. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's me again. <laughs> and I said, look, we need to change this. Do this and this and see what happens. So we did it. So I went back in, put it on. I was a bit nervous because, you know, you just don't want to mess something like that up. And I put it on. Oh yeah, the sleeve works. And then I took the skinny scarf, put that, tied that around my neck in a bow. At, like I cannot even describe how different it looked with that tiny tweak. And what had happened was that the black top was now extended up the neck, so the balance of the dress had just been wrong before, and it needed a taller top to balance the skirt. Anyway, it's this cup, this thing, and and I wore that dress to a, a really big lunch with. Uh, um, Caroline Rush, like head of the uh, British Fashion Council, lots of people there from fashion, and I had so many people coming up to me, just love what you're wearing, love what you're wearing, love what you're wearing, and you know, I just thought, wow, I did. This is a really great dress, and I think that's that. I do love that dress because it's so so simple, it's so modern, it's old, and it just. I kind of really feel that like I breathe new life into it, and I'm proud of that. That's magical. That's yeah. such a beautiful story as well because it's the idea of 
I would have thought if you convert something and it doesn't work, then it's a failure. But the fact that you're still Rubik's cubing and be like, no, no, this is we will get there with it is um, I guess that's that's exciting for me because I I've thought oh, yeah, I'm going to try and do this with it. And then if it doesn't work, I should just give up on it. But like, no, keep keep trying. And yeah, you, you might be able to get there with something. Always. Or call me up. <laughs> Send me a picture. What can I do with this? I think it's really important <laughs> to ask friends, you know. What just just talk to people like what can I do with what can I do with this or if you've got any clothes that you really really are over I always say don't give them to charity ask your friends and family first people really love that it's I think it's going to happen a lot more than it has done historically there's still a little bit of a you know I'm going to give my old clothes she wouldn't want my old clothes actually she might really want your old clothes and then you're going to know that you've made her happy they've gone to a good home she's wearing you know and then she might give you something it's just a it's a different mindset but i think it's one that's coming in so talk to your friends that's really beautiful because also something i struggle with in terms of clothes and buying things is i get a real thrill from acquisition from getting the thing and having the new thing and then it, it, it does wane but if you're gonna get the new thing and enjoy it and then you think Right, well, in a few years, if I haven't worn you, I'm going to look at you and go, what can I turn you into that I would wear? Especially if it's for, you know, a superficial reason, like, oh, well, that, that you know, epaulette's fallen off or whatever. Then you can keep getting the thrill of acquisition and without the environmental impact as well, which is a really exciting thought. Really That's exciting. right. That's right. Oh. <laughs> what is your relationship with shopping? I know you're on Etsy. I know you go to lots of vintage fairs or shows. Um, but do you enjoy the the process of it? Do you prefer it online? Do you want to be there in person to touch things? I think I've got, I've got quite well trained now in looking, knowing what I'm looking for online. So if, if I'm looking at something velvet and I know that it's a 1960s piece, it's bound to be really good velvet. Vintage fabrics are invariably much, much higher quality than the, the fabric we use now, even designer fabric. Oh, it's it's just next level. And so the older I go, the more content I am that I'm getting a really high quality piece. And I have made a couple of bloomers. I bought this peach silk <laughs> look back now and I was so excited about it I was dialoguing with the guy on Etsy I wonder if he actually knows I said is this silk and he wrote back saying "Mm, it feels very silky I thought "Mm, not sure he's gonna really know (laughs) what the components of this fabric are but (laughs) let's go for it because it looked very silky and when it arrived it was very silky it was very very shiny silky and it was it was virtually plastic but interestingly, because it was old, it had body, it had weight. And although it was fully synthetic, it felt really good quality. So I just thought, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to do something with it. So I turned the jacket round, put it on backwards, flipped up the collar. So it then became high neck. And then as I put the collar on backwards, I realized that the collar on the back of my neck, which was now propped open, was really cool. And then if I fastened that together, it almost looked like a bird going down my back. Oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. And then it just all worked really well. It looked like a little bolero top. And the skirt I turned into some culottes. And actually, my assistant said that was her favorite piece. I remember she started looking through my, oh, this is my favorite piece. I was like, what? The peachy silk synthetic thing that I turned backwards. <laughs> oh, 
It's my dream outfit. I just thought, you know, who knew? There's no <laughs> way that anyone would have worn that before. And so I'm happy with the fabric. So yeah, the, the thing is, the older you go, the better. And I'm better at shopping online because I know what I'm looking for. And um, I really enjoy shopping online as well because you can get through a lot more clothes fast. You know, sift, sift, sift. And sometimes you find these really great shops mm. and they're like gems. And then sometimes they don't really know how much things are worth. And you're like, oh my God, she has no idea. This is Malcolm Star. <laughs> and it's what? What? And you're like, oh yeah. So um, I'll have that. You know, when you're like, don't change your mind. Don't change your mind. And, and you know, I've bid on stuff on eBay. And sometimes I get a bit upset. I bought this amazing dress, which I have posted on Insta. It's white with big black spots on it. And it's made of silk organza. And it's an experience buying from these these people who sell. I bid on it. I think I put like 25 quid on it because their starting bid was five or something. And I thought, no, no, 25, I'll probably get outbid, but I'll just start there. And it arrived in the post. So, you know, I don't know, I must have paid for it. So it arrived in the post. And it came with this little note. Dear Kate, I'm thrilled this dress has a her lovely new home it was actually from this couture house in paris everything is hand sewn you know you've got a very very special piece on your hands here and i'm like oh my god it's exquisite so i put it on and i was like running around the house showing everyone look what i got on this ebay it was 25 quid and everyone's like wow that's cool they're used to me now but you know it, it's amazing this dress is amazing and that is so much fun you know finding that kind of thing and I think so online is good for that stuff when you can look around but ultimately vintage fairs oh god I it's my that is my dream scenario someone says to me which they had actually on my birthday a couple of years ago what would you like to do the Clark and Well vintage fair happened to be on and I was like okay you really want to know I'd love to be with you guys I love you dearly you're my family but I'd rather be at the Clark and Well Vintage Fair. Is it okay if I go there? And they're like, fine, okay. <laughs> they drop me off. I'm. I don't even know where those four hours went. I. I really. The time is never enough. And I go around and I'm having conversations with the, the traders and I'm looking at things and I'm getting inspired by things and I'm. Oh, it's just absolute bliss for me a vintage fair so that would be that's my dream shop I, I don't really like shopping in shops what's your relationship with charity shops then well charity shops i sort of see a bit as vintage fairs really um but they're a bit harder work so i bought some really great pieces in charity shops but they tend to be a bit sporadic i actually find i don't have enough time mm. i don't have enough time to go through all the charity shops i'd like to whereas a vintage fair has more of the types of things that I'm looking for in a more condensed state. Like it's just less work. And then I can look online. So I charity shops are amazing. They require, they require, I think a bit of, a bit more creativity. Um, you know, like I, I always think of charity shops of, with having lots of men's suits in them. And when I look at a man's suit, I, I see it as like, you know, pinstripe gilet, like an oversized boyfriend gilet, and then turning the, the trousers into a pair of little, um, you know, 
uh, stiletto pants and just kind of wearing a pair of really high patent pumps. That's what I see when I see a men's suit. Um, but I, I think, yeah, charity shops, you have, I love them and hats and gloves and accessories and, you know, you can't go wrong. I mean, every charity shops. What do you think about charity shops? Love them. Went and, cause I had a bit, I have meant to do an interview with someone today and it got moved to tomorrow and I had a few hours. So I was like, right, go to the charity shop. I, I live for them. I, it's a, it's a probability game though. You've got to hit 10 charity shops and you'll find one gem, but you have to just enjoy the experience and never be looking for something in particular. But I have big chunks of vintage stuff and that's all from charity shops. It's not really from vintage shops. In fact, I sort of it takes the fun out of it. The joy of finding, like my favorite thing, which I will always brag about is when I was 15, I found a gorgeous 60s in my size that I still have Burberry trench coat for four pounds. And Whoa. like- gorgeous cut like perfect fit and like that really cemented it i was like yeah you can have what you want and i also shop for everyone else when i go into charity shops so i did it the other day there was like really great top shop dress tags on and i don't normally buy sort of like high street stuff but it was really cool green tiger print with an amazing cut on it and it was a size 12 so it go nowhere near me but my friend jess looks great in green so i was like i bought this dress and, and I was like, I don't think it's your... I've never seen you in an animal print, but I think you would look amazing in it. And she tried it on and she was like, I absolutely love this and I never would have picked it out. So I love shopping for other people as well. That I'm like, I've seen a thing I think you would look great in. Yeah. So yeah, it's a joy for me. Absolute joy for me. I love it. I, I relate <laughs> to that. I, I do that for Fee, who I mentioned earlier. I go around and I if I see something, she sometimes gives me a budget. She did give me a budget for the Manhattan Vintage Fair. Um, and it was so much fun. It's, it's actually so fun looking for other people, isn't it? Yeah. So I actually had this great experience with this wonderful lesbian couple who were getting married and they wanted me to help them find outfits. So I took them to the Clerkenwell Vintage Fair. It was a, a previous one. And they both had really clear ideas in their minds of what they wanted, which can be challenging, and but also helpful. So one of them had this idea of herself in a tea dress and the other one wanted uh, a really smart kind of blouse with a little bit of sort of bling. She had this like very clear. She wanted blue with a bit of green. Uh, not always the easiest thing because, you know, you char- you're going to get whatever you're going to get when you go to those things. And so we had tears in the dressing room over the tea dresses. And it was it was such an experience. I had such a great time with them. But we ended up finding exactly what they wanted. I've actually got the photographs of them in their outfits and the the tea dress never happened because we realized, she realized that she just wasn't a tea dress person (laughs) after all. And uh, I I sort of forced her to try on other things. And when she was in something that she wouldn't normally have put in, put on, the people in the changing room sort of crowding around saying, oh, what are you wearing? You look amazing. (laughs) You could see her just glowing. And it was was so much fun and so rewarding and actually really nice for me to not be looking for myself you know I was there it was nothing to do with me I was just on a mission to find things for her and and I loved it and we converted trousers to fit and yeah it was lovely I loved that experience beautiful that's such a beautiful gift to be able to share with people as well that you can yeah make them feel amazing especially when they're getting married I think you're most people have asked sort of like you do think your style will change again or or evolve but because what you wear is so timeless 
I, I can see you wearing everything you wear now, you know, forever and ever. Does that is that how it feels? Yeah, you know, I think I I I want to move my things on. So I've developed actually. Um, we're we're out raising funds at the moment. We want to launch uh, what will be the first global peer-to-peer marketplace exclusively for upcycled clothes. So we bring everyone together. This is a very disparate market. You know, it's fra- it's just all over the place, very fragmented. And just to be able to have one place where everybody can find, you know, these those amazing gems that we're talking about would be really exciting. Um, so I'm working on that. So a lot of the clothes that I've, I've got now, I would like to put on there um, at some point and or just maybe even just have a shop. I just, I, I, I enjoy the, the process so much, but honestly, once I've worn it, I'd like someone else to enjoy it. And um, I, I think I've got to a point now where it's more about the making of it and that than the actual, you know, the making of it, the wearing it, and then just giving it a home. I want to find homes for people who really love the things because it's, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, my, my style, I'll, I'll always make things I like and they'll always be radically different. If you look at the, the pieces that I make, you, no designer would ever create such a wildly eclectic collection of pieces. Like, it's, it's impossible. And it's because I'm not thinking them up and they don't have to have a theme. Each piece, as I said, it it dictates itself. And so it may not it may not be some element of it. I'll wrap into my style, but then it will change my style. And that's that's the fun of it. So they're always going to be different. There is obviously the jumpsuit theme, which will continue mm-hmm. forever and ever. You'll never pull me out of a jumpsuit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I am always like we've talked about. I'm always reinventing myself and I'll always, there'll always be new things coming through, new, someone else's style. And I love just piggybacking on that and then just making it my own. And yeah, that's what fashion is, right? We're just always reinventing the past. So you create from stuff that's already created. Have you made stuff from scratch before? I have. I've made a collection of quilt dresses. When I first moved to the States, I became obsessed with American quilts, vintage quilts as I realized that they're incredibly modern, the, the, the patterns, they're, they're old, and some of them have got marks on them, but they, you can get the marks out and you can cut the marks out, you cut around the marks, you know, never, I always find I can make something out of pretty much anything. And so the quilts obviously were quilts, so I had to design a dress. And so I just, it's, it's almost quite Amish in style, just very, very simple, very easy to wear. And the great thing about the shape of them is that you know many people could wear it it's a very forgiving style and actually could fit lots of different sizes but one thing i've started making a lot of are these things called convertibles which are the little things that you can all the accessories you can make out of the gar- out of the scraps of the garments so you know i'm a big fan of the halo band i have a guy who makes those for me now in a sustainable way i've just sent him the fabric and he does those but also with those quilt dresses i've made detachable collars detachable cuffs that you can wear underneath so the dress can look really different detachable bibs most of them have a detachable bib and then i started making bucket hats and little bags for the phone 
so you can just have one looped around your wrist and swing your phone off your wrist <laughs> and you know that's really good fun so and that's something that comes from nothing so that's where i've had to design things oh, i've also designed some tracksuits out of those quilts some quite cool tracksuits i just took a took a design of a trouser that i really liked and modified it and then just had those made and a bomber jacket so you've got this matching bomber jacket and, and trousers in a quilt shape but what i ended up doing with the trousers <laughs> typically i made them so that you could actually wear them three different lengths so the bottom of the trouser is tapered and it's stepped and it's got three steps and each segment buttons in to the segment above it so you've got like a bottom segment going into a bigger segment going into the leg so you could wear it three-quarter length or oh. mid three-quarter length or full length and so you i want to get people wearing them and so then you're buying you're buying well you're wearing an outfit and you've got you know the dress then you've got the dress so you've got the dress on its own then you've got the dress with the bib then you've got the dress without the bib with the cuffs then you've got the dress with the bib and the cuffs then you've got the dress with the bucket hat and all the accessories you know and then you've got like 10 outfits right there from one dress and a few little convertibles made from scraps. So you've got lots and lots of different looks and ways of wearing it. And that's when it becomes interesting to me because we all want to make things our own and convertibles are a really easy way of doing that. It's like um, the fashion equivalent of nose to tail dining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it is. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Is there is there an item clothing that you can absolutely always see yourself wearing? I can always see myself wearing one of my quilt dresses because they're so simple, so easy. They're show-stopping. They have provenance. They have, you know, heritage. The amount of work that goes into those quilts is mind-blowing. I have so much respect, but it's, it's, so it's just like easy. I do like ease <laughs> and I like to be able to dress it up or dress it down. So something like that, I can see myself wearing, you know, aged a hundred. You like very easily wear that. You could pull that off, Kiri, aged a hundred with a convertible <laughs> and rock it. Trust me. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that is timeless. So yeah, maybe one of those. That would be it. Love it. <laughs> Plus, I could go to sleep in it because I'm under my quilt. <laughs> Halfway there, yeah. <laughs> Final question. Very sad day. Um, you know, you're no, no longer with this. It's, it's your funeral. What would you like to be buried in, outfit-wise? Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be this crazy maxi dress I've got. I think it's Hawaiian. That is basically a massive, sorry, pleated, pleated dress. So imagine an enormous semicircle of quilted fabric, right? So you, when you stretch it out, it's not quilted. So you're holding it up. And then in the middle at the top, there's a hole where you're going to put your head and there's a drawstring, right? You put your head over it and the whole thing, and we're talking about neon green orange yellow white brown like really like hmm. colors that you wouldn't necessarily put together and they're, they're quite shocking but somehow they work and a bit of purple in there and then you just let it fall over you and it just sort of 
compresses into perfect pleats. And then you do up your drawstring and you tie a little bow around your neck. That is what I want to be buried in, <gasps> that thing. <laughs> Love that idea. Yeah. I think I might put that one aside. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Uh, what would you? Well, I, th I think it would be something that I... Uh, love so it was probably the first thing I properly had made for me and it's what I wore when I did live at the Apollo and it's a it's a sequin um leotard that's um it's got the Welsh dragon on it and I wore it with like a white cape so it's got the red dragon and it's green sequin and I just had my big hair and my sequins and I just felt like me and I felt so confident and it's just so it's made to fit me it's made it, i literally drew it on an envelope and gave it to the amazing girl who makes some, my costumes and i just felt incredible in it and i just think yeah that that would be quite cool to be buried wow in, I, <laughs> I love that so you designed that yourself yeah well it's i've got a really good relationship with a, a girl i literally put it on instagram i was like does anyone know any welsh designers and yeah she's a she's a seamstress and i'll sort of had these ideas and i'll be like oh i really want you know, so I had this idea about this this dragon thing, and I wanted a Welsh designer to make it. So I drew it and sent it to her, and she's like, "Great!" And then I send her my measurements, and then I'll go and get fitted, and it's just come out perfectly. And then I had this other idea about having. Oh, I got it here somewhere. Oh yeah, this. Um, she sent me a fabric that she had. Um, so she's like, "Oh, I've got this amazing fabric that's like gold, but baby pink sequins, <gasps> and it is beautiful." So Whoa. I was like, she was like, have you got any ideas? And I was like, well, I would love a, a leotard with long bell sleeves mm. and then like a lightning bolt neckline. So she she did it all for oh, me. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's so the thing. So we just have ideas. <laughs> would, if, if someone, would you put in your repertoire that you are a, a clothing designer? No. no. No, right? No. But you are. And I really believe everybody has a hidden designer in them because we all know what we love. You are. You've got to put that on your list of credits because it, 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 there's this, this, this sort of fallacy that people think that design is out of their reach. Like designers, it's everybody's designing every day. You're thinking about, you woke up in the morning, you're creative because you're thinking about what you put on, you choose it. Like accountants are creative with numbers. Everybody's creative. I just think everybody's got a hidden designer in them. And, and what's really fun about watching you do that is that you know what you like. Like, you know, that lightning bolt, that's genius. I have never seen a lightning bolt neckline before. So, yeah, you know what? You're leading edge. You're leading edge designer. And when you put that piece on, you're going to really rock it because you're going to feel amazing. You've thought about the sleeves. You know what sleeves you like. You know what made you feel good in the past from one of the outfits you've worn. So you're going to stick to that. And then you're thinking up what kind of fabric, like what's going to reflect who you are today. You put that whole thing together and it's a really unique, special piece. So like see that side of yourself and, and get confident with it and do more of it because that's obviously a way to go for you. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're designing the pieces that make you feel the best. <laughs> Wait. Well, I feel, I love this pep talk. <laughs> this has been well worth it. I'm so, I've taken so much of your time, but I've enjoyed speaking to you so much. You're so interesting. And so what's beautiful about you is you are fluent in fashion, but it never feels like it's at the exclusion of anyone. And so much of fashion, I feel like the world can, whether deliberately or not, feel like an exclusionary place of 
have you got the right names have you got the right bank balance all that kind of stuff and you bring this joy and levity to it and accessibility that i just think is is brilliant and wonderful and i yeah we'll continue to just pour over your instagram because it's just a great place to be oh well i find you a massive inspiration and i'm never stop wearing your sequins they are and you know you can get sustainable sequins now i've Did heard you know this that? yes that's going to be the mm, next step yeah yeah i'm excited because i know they're not that. very good for the planet but you know what yeah. you do wear you wear your pieces you wear and you wear and you wear them so next time you will be wearing that welsh outfit down to sainsbury's all right <laughs> just a matter i want 30 wears out of that thing right 30 I wears I you will i know all right then oh so great um, it's so Thanks great for talking it's so much fun oh kate mcguire there when she talks about clothing being an armor and a comfort oh she totally nailed why I want to do this podcast when she says that clothes control how you interact with the world. That is it. That is the juicy, fascinating stuff for me. And I think it says a lot about Kate's character that she's chosen a profession where she brings joy to others through clothes. Also, is anyone else dying to see her Gaga-inspired dress? And the dress from 1860. We want to see that as well. Please go and follow her on Instagram. She's so wonderful. And there's loads of great converted closet videos and clips to watch too. I think for when this comes out, if you're listening on the Monday, on Tuesday, she's going to do an Instagram Live where she converts something live um, at 7pm UK time. And I think 2pm New York time. What's that? East I don't know what that is. Um, (laughs) And I'm too lazy to Google. New York time it shall be. Um, So yeah, go and check her out. There's just loads to devour there. She's um, so generous with her time and her enthusiasm. And also the world that Kate describes of just creativity, sustainability, originality, cyclical fashion. It makes me just so, so excited. So prepare to see me in some badly sewn clothes very soon. <laughs> um, I'm so pleased that you guys are enjoying this series as much as I had recording it. And we've still got so many amazing chats to come to, really emotional ones, daft ones, important ones, um, and some of them all in the same episode. Now, we've had a message from Laura on Insta that's full of compliments, so... I'm going to read it out. (laughs) Hello, I just wanted to say I adore the show. As someone who spent their whole life up until very recently hiding in their clothes, hiding behind their hair, hiding their sexuality and hiding from themselves, your show is helping to reassure me that I can step out of the shadow of my own self-oppression. I've always had a real love for quirky statement clothing and I've never really fitted into the norm with my wardrobe. I've always just brought everything two or three sizes too big and shied away from any kind of short hemline. As someone who actually works in fashion, I'm trying to cement my style and do away the notion that your clothes only serve the purpose to make you appear thinner. Fucking amen, mate. Your podcast is helping me to embrace what I have and wear clothes because I actually like them, not because they make me look a bit thinner. Oh my God. God, I wish someone had read this to me when I was 14. I also can't wait for the episode with Rachel. Yes, Rachel Fairburn's coming up. I found this podcast through All Killer and Rachel is an icon. Don't we know it? Also, I live in Australia and we're recommending to all of my friends. That's so lovely. If you would like to send us a message, you can message us on Insta. Um, our Insta is at Who You Wearing Pod, and there's loads of pictures of um, whoever the episode is about that week up on there. And we keep everything up so you can troll through and um, be a little creep like me when I can't decide what to wear. I just look through it and try and get inspired by people. Um, you can also email us at whoyouwearingpod at gmail.com. This week's small business um, got mentioned a fair old bit. Um, it's the amazing SJ Miller who makes 
incredible accessories, homeware and custom work as well has made some amazing stuff for me. Now, normally I would sort of sing their praises, but I happened to be meeting up with Steph. So I just thought I'd sit down and have a chinwag with her instead and she could talk about her own business. Um, so here's Steph. You're pretty much like a one-woman operation. It's like you in a table in a spare room, right? That's, yeah, completely it. Yeah, I uh-huh. have. So it's just me. I've had a friend helping a little bit recently, um, Katie, who does her own stuff as well. Um, but that's the first time I've even had anyone else kind of come in. It's just me at home with a sewing machine and a table. And It's amazing. Working whatever hours you can. Yeah, because it's also around other work as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's that juggling, which I think so many small businesses feel... They're like trying to be present on Instagram and, and yeah. push your stuff and keep the sales going, but then also having a life and a job. Yeah, that's and I think that's the thing. Most small business people know this as well. Or anyone I think who does anything creative, it's the personal side is what goes. Like that's what's hard. I think finding balance is really hard and something I do struggle with because mm. I'll just work constantly when it's needed. Sometimes I am like like I said to my mom the other day, I was like, I've done this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> to do this no one forced me but I think that you have to that's the key I think is that's how bad you want to do it is you just mm. there's almost like a compulsion to do it it's <laughs> so dark yeah. I always feel so guilty so I'm like uh thank you for ruining your social life for me because no, no, no. <laughs> you are so brilliant you made my um you've made loads of stuff now it has been a few now yeah you know. so my amazing Welsh Dragon Leotard my um I also mentioned it on this the the baby pink and gold yeah, with the big bell arms yeah. and then I've got that jumpsuit as well with a cape attached mm-hmm. yeah so and then you made me outfits tour for my last things. tour yeah. that didn't didn't mm-hmm. happen some mm-hmm. of it's been on telly mm-hmm. and I've worn one of the others once and then the third idea I had is now being used for this tour yes. so yeah and you're making me a suit yes because <laughs> I was like could you make a suit and you're like I'll give it a bash <laughs> yeah and here we are <laughs> yeah and here we are fitting it um but it's so interesting because your like personal style is really like moddy and 60s yeah and like sort of like futuristic pared down those kind of clean lines yeah and then everything I asked for is like can it have a cape can it have epaulettes <laughs> can it have frills yeah that's I think that's the funniest part of doing custom because it is people come to you with ideas like I would never have even thought of putting a dragon on a leotard and sequins <laughs> and whatever else we did but it's that's how your skills grow as well like it's amazing just to kind of think you get something, it's someone's vision and you work it out and that's it really expands your skills and it's just so cool to do something that you wouldn't have thought about doing before. It pushes you as well, like and then it's always nice to see the results as well and it's something you wouldn't have come up with yourself. But it's always cool to see it come to life. So Oh yeah, I love it's it. A really fun part of I it. feel less guilty. Now. Yeah. <laughs> And I love your the stuff that you make as well and are like under your own label. The like the key rings that you've done recently are so beautiful and the tote bags and and the cushions and things is always really clear. And I think there's loads of like pop culture influence in yes, there. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So it's like the like clashy, trashy, like blondie, yeah. new wave colours and like bowie lightning yeah, bolts and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of bowie in there as well. Yeah, so I think it is, it's kind of like a lot of 60s icons um, and then always animal, there's always animal print in so much of it because I just <laughs> think that's, I, that's just one of the best things in life. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that is it as well. And I think, I like to think there's a little bit of a meet sometimes between like maximalism and 
minimalism because it's mm. kind of I'm interested in both so that's why even if it's a mad pattern it's always a clean line it's mm. always like clean silhouettes um and then yeah some stuff is really paired back as well so I think that's quite interesting to play around with is that kind of in between space yeah. which sometimes makes it harder to pin down yeah what you are but I love it and I like how hard you're working as well considering you are just like a last doing it all in a bedroom <laughs> yeah. about trying to make it sustainable and zero waste and things like yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh. that's it. Like, um, yeah, sometimes the materials I know aren't super green, but um, definitely zero waste if I can reuse. Like the keyrings is quite that zero mm. waste. That's like I've got these off cuts of faux leather. What can I do with them? Um, even the pockets on my totes, that's like a scrap of cotton off of something else. I use that for the bias binding for those. So it's, yeah, and small batch make or made to order as well. So there's not reams of stuff being done um, that can't get used or sold. So like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, because I also love a small batch stuff because I'm one of those like pigs who's like, I don't want what everyone else has. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, yeah, that is nice though. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, more limiteds and yeah, quite a lot of things I do as well. If they are zero waste, that will be like a limited edition because it's like, well, once this fabric's gone, mm. that's it. I actually used a bit, one of my bags has a little bit of the baby pink and gold. Oh, no sequins. way. It's like a Bowie one. Um, but they're, I think I've got like two runs of those left because I'm like well once that fabric's gone that's it's gone forever that's it it's gone but I love that an SJ Miller original yeah. <laughs> limited edition limb dish as my partner <laughs> says about that can I ask you um can I ask you a question like have you why SJ Miller because I obviously know you're Steph from Instagram yeah I actually I'm not well, actually, what it was was when I was younger, I wanted to be a writer. I was going to say. And I was like, that would be my writer name. Because it and makes then... it sound like it's a man, and then you <laughs> yeah. get more work. <laughs> and also, because I'm a complete cliche, I really loved Catcher in the Rye, so it was like J.D. Salinger. Love so it. it. was that pretentious and teenage. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of when I came to doing anything of my own, I guess that was kind of there. Yeah. Um, and then it's just carried on. Um, yeah, well, I just wanted to talk about you because you're so great. And also you've, like, I, I talk about it on the podcast, but, like, having stuff, especially as a bigger girl as well, having stuff that fits you is, is like, so, like, has made me so much happier with my body mm. than, like, going in and trying to find something on the high street. Yeah. And it's weird because it's, like, your stuff is, like, tighter, but it fits so much it's better. In the right. Yeah, I think that's that's why I'm an absolute fiend for fittings as well, because it is, it's... If you're trying to squeeze into something that doesn't fit or, you know, you're wearing something that's not the right style for you, that's going to make you feel bad about yourself and you shouldn't. It's get something that fits properly. It's your body looking the best, you know, looking as good as it can. And that's why it is these fittings are so important, because it's just getting that bang on and it's yeah if that makes people feel more confident that's that's the dream oh what a <laughs> lovely way to end it and yes yeah, she is a fiend for fitting hence me sitting on the <laughs> yeah, floor of her brother's house in chester I now thanks so much for chatting Thank i appreciate you. it and um check out sj miller on instagram and there's a website as well right yeah that's just um sjmiller.com so that was the wonderful Steph, SJ Miller on Instagram. Just a really great egg, so hardworking, an amazing eye and just doing stuff properly. And just any woman running a business from a spare bedroom makes my heart absolutely sing. <laughs> so that's amazing Steph. Next week, I have another fantastic guest for you. 
a oh just incredibly charming, incredibly well dressed, incredibly gracious and brilliant stand-up comedian and presenter. It's Tom Allen. Oh, it's going to be such a lovely chat. I know you guys will be excited about listening to that one. So I'll see you then. Who Are You Wearing is produced by Joe Southard. The artwork is by Mary Phillips. And the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production.